Black Rifle Coffee Company is a company that's very easy for me to promote because I drink coffee all day, every day. But more importantly, they are a huge supporter of the veteran community and are a veteran-owned business, so they have my full support. Use code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first order and 20% off subscription to The Coffee Club, where you get exclusive coffee blends and merchandise. I'd like to mention a longtime partner of mine, Mountain Op Supplements. I take their products every day, and they keep me performing at my best year after year. I should also note that my son Truett works for the company, so I have firsthand knowledge of their focus on faith, family, and fitness. Makes it really easy to partner with a company whose values align with mine. They have a special deal for you guys right now for the podcast launch. If you use code KEEPHAMMERING on a purchase of $75 or more, you get a free Keep Hammering BCAA in my new signature flavor, pineapple. I'm all about high-level performance, and the BCAs really help me perform. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. Okay. We're going to start the Keep Hammering Collective with Natalie Eva Marie. Yes. And first time having a supermodel, fashion <laughs> icon, WWE superstar ever in the studio. Well, hey, we're already starting off great because compliments get you everything. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so pumped. I mean, it's, uh, I've had some great guests, but it's like you bring this whole special flair into wherever <laughs> you are. I know, I know in the bow rack yesterday... People were like, what the heck is going on? Who is this Viking Viking looking supermodel shooting a bow? It's uh it's awesome. I think it might be my hair. I think my hair throws people off, but I guess my personality kind of goes with it, right? So when did the hair, when did you switch? What was the decision there? So my natural hair color is black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I first signed with the WWE in 2013, um, I didn't realize it then, but I made the best business decision, I think, ever in the mm-hmm. sense of the majority of the girls had, you know, natural colored hair. The roster was just a, with brunette, blonde, um, and that was pretty much where everyone lived. Yeah. And so uh, when I got the got the job, I got asked if I would dye my hair platinum blonde because uh, there was a lot of girls on the reality show Total Divas because I got my contract at the same time as the reality show, mm-hmm. um, which was just God put me in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. So on that show, there's too many brunettes, basically. Gotcha. And um, I'm Mexican Italian. I've been blonde in high school and it's not a good look for me. And plus I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll be bald in, um, a couple months trying to yeah. continue to bleach my hair. So I was listening to, uh, Rihanna's album where she had that just crazy bright red hair and yeah. I made a game time decision and, uh, went with that crazy red hair and then mm-hmm. I never looked back. So I've been a lot of color since. So I was red. In the WWE, which created my little all red everything hashtag. And then I went to black for a movie mm. and then I went to purple and then now I'm in pink. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're feeling good with pink. Is that the power, co- power color? Well, it's funny because naturally 
people think pink is like my favorite color because they see my hair, so yeah. which makes sense. But it really isn't my favorite color at all. If anything, it's probably my least favorite color, mm. which is ironic considering I put it on my head. Uh, but we're at like the a little over two years being pink, mm-hmm. and that's usually where I get the itch wanting Make to change, change it. Up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. We'll see how much longer the pink lives. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like a good decision. So the the WWE, that that made you stand out. Exactly. Were you on the Diva? I was on the Total Diva show, um, which basically it kind of showcased and peeled back the curtain of the WWE at the time. We were called Divas. Now everyone's called Superstars. But the women of the WWE trying to not navigate being on the road, uh, balancing family, balancing mm. traveling. And then on top of that, uh, myself and another girl were like brand spanking new. We had done our tryout and got developmental deals, mm. which I always refer it to like AAA in baseball. You have, uh, you know, you go, you try out, if you make it, you get a contract mm-hmm. and then you work on not only learning how to wrestle your character, all of the things that you need, all the mechanics, and then you hopefully get called up to the big, the leagues, big leagues, which big is show. exactly mm-hmm. the main roster, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So I had previously tried out for that, got my developmental contract, but at the same time, WWE was putting together this reality show. Mm. And so they made a decision where they really wanted to capture two girls that had nothing, didn't know anything about the business, Mm. didn't know how to wrestle Mm -hmm. and kind of showcase that on the show as well. So, uh, like I said, I was right time, right place. Yeah. Uh, thank you, God. Um, (laughs) what does it take to be a diva? Well, honestly, it just takes, uh, being super confident mm. and uh, going for whatever it is that you want. And that's, like really that's diva mode yeah, right there. That is. Yeah. And uh, being unapologetic mm-hmm. and, and being comfortable in your own skin. Have you always been confident? Mm. Damn, Cam, are we getting a deep or something here? No, I just, I mean, cause just, I see how you act now. I was wondering like in high school, Oh God! When, you, when you'd hit a balloon like you did yesterday, remember what you said? <laughs> yeah, Is yeah. that what you do on the soccer pitch if you make a goal? <laughs> uh, what did you say when you hit that balloon? I don't know if I I, I, I can't really I can't really <laughs> I don't think I repeat it. My my uh, my mouth sometimes you know gets uh gets away from me. Yeah. Um, I see sometimes out of the corner of my eye, my husband looking at me like, oh my God, <laughs> like wheel yeah. it in. But uh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think confidence is something that you have to work on every single day mm. um, because ultimately that comes from being super secure with yourself and mm. what you're doing, uh, which I can, I kind of think correlates into what you do on a daily, you know, with mm. your daily habits, lift, run, shoot. It's mm. kind of the same thing with my myself in the mm. sense of, um, you know, I work a 12 step program. So making sure that's obviously God and that is my number one priority because without my sobriety, without God, like I'm not sitting, like I'm not supposed to be here today talking mm-hmm. to you. Like this is wild. Like my life is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear it all the time. Uh, it's very cliche in 
AA meetings, but you hear once you actually take, make that choice and get sober and, and do the deal. Cause mm-hmm. it's all about, they always say it's a simple program, but you got to put the work in, you got to, yeah. it's actionable steps on a daily basis. You can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting here with Cameron Haynes, a life beyond my wildest dreams. Mm. Like that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And it's a testament to being, doing the program, doing, doing the deal in March of this year, I'll have God willing, mm-hmm. I'll have 10 years of sobriety. Mm. So wow. that's it's good. been a journey, man. Yeah. It's been a journey. Well, great job. I mean, yeah. Um, why do so many people get sober and then fall back because it's hard mm-hmm. and you have you have to battle your demons every single day you got to show up and uh i mean that's why i love guys like uh yourself and gog and seeing you guys actually together and and, and seeing how you guys uh get after it every single day mm-hmm. is is something inspiring because it's a daily choice it's a daily thing that you have it's a daily reprieve that you have to kind of face so um I got sober first at 23 and it's kind of, it's crazy because after reading your book, obviously following you for on social for many, many years, like we talked about yesterday, I was trying to kind of track down and figure out how long I've been actually following you. And it's definitely been six or seven years, which is nutty if you think about it, but that's like really wild. The first time we've met just yesterday. Yeah, I know, which is crazy because I feel like you're like my boy from a long time ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I first got sober at 23 and I thought like I knew everything. So when I would walk into the rooms and I would hear stuff about how easily, like, you know, you fall off and you can relapse and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. I'm sitting back being like, they're weak or whatever. Totally. Like you guys have no idea. Like, nah, you guys are soft. Yeah. Um, fast forward three years later, I, uh, uh, you know, racked together three years of sobriety and all the things, the promises and, and things that they say, once you're doing the, the work started coming back. Like I was starting to be a normal citizen in society, meaning mm-hmm. I got my driver's license back. Mm-hmm. Um, just normal things that normal people don't even lose. Right. I was getting actually back. Mm-hmm. And so then that little voice that always wants to that bitch is trying to take me out every day, you know, sabotage you totally. And being like, you're good. You were young. You know, it was, you're all right. Mm -hmm. So then I called my sponsor Mo and I was like, Mo, I love you. Thank you so much. I'm good. And she obviously was like, well, we don't recommend that. Yeah. Um, but okay. Uh, say la vie. Yeah. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And within nine months, you know, I was, back, uh, running and gunning. And, uh, it took me a while. And thankfully sometimes people don't have, people don't make it back in the rooms. Yeah. So, um, now that I'm obviously older and, and been through some more life, mm-hmm. I realized I'm really, really lucky that I made it back in the rooms and stayed with it. Uh, you know, I called my original sponsor back with my tail between my legs and I was like, Hi, Mo. Yeah. Um, will you basically will you will you take me back? Was this did something happen? Did you? Um. I mean, my life started to go right back to 
crumbling and mm. um, very much not the way that I was raised. Mm -hmm. Like my parents are my heroes. Uh, and they, what I was doing was not who I was supposed to be. I was not living up to my potential. Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, addiction and, and alcoholism runs deep in my family. I never got to meet my grandfather because, uh, he passed away when my dad was 15 or 16 from cirrhosis of the liver. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's one of those things where what my parents have done, uh, to provide and give a better life for myself and my brothers is something now that I'm older, I mean, I can't pay them enough, mm -hmm. uh, just because I, I mean, I appreciate everything that they've, they've like laid down for me. Like hard work and all of it, just a strong family, discipline, or, hard mm -hmm. work. The fact that, um, my dad didn't have a father figure and was able to, uh, take himself to where he is not only with my mom and my mom, I mean, like we kind of touched on, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican Italian. So, uh, my mom and my grandparents came over from, from Mexico mm -hmm. and, uh, worked their ass off for everything that they have. Mm -hmm. And then also my parents built that American dream. Mm -hmm. And also, um, culture capital is huge in the sense of providing just the chance, just the opportunity for your kids to have something better mm -hmm. than you had. And my parents did that by, uh, you know, my dad was, they were both living in Oakland and then they moved out to Concord mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, a nice little middle-class neighborhood where, yeah. where, they were faking the funk, trying to be amongst, yeah. you know, people that were a little bit doing the damn thing, but uh, schools and everything to give us the opportunity. So the yeah. fact that all of a sudden I was kind of um, throwing that out the window right. and, and tearing my life apart was, uh, you know, something that I can't believe that I did looking back. But yeah. then sometimes, you know, you have to go through the agony and all the, mm -hmm. all the mess to enjoy the beauty. And, uh, I wouldn't change anything now either. Obviously right. going through it was horrible mm -hmm. and I can't believe it. I, I, my mom is my best friend. I talk to my parents every single day. I FaceTime mm -hmm. them. And, uh, the fact it also shows their strength mm -hmm. because anything that myself, I won't put all my brother's shit out on the street, but <laughs> every, appreciate yeah, that. I know <laughs> they'll all get a call and be like, you yeah. know what? Talk about yourself, leave me out yeah. of it. Um, but, you know, to see the strength of them to mm -hmm. go through all of the trials and tribulations of life and yeah. then also raising kids and then seeing like your kids kind of not living up to the how they were raised in yeah. the sense of the discipline, the morals, the values, all of those things mm -hmm. uh, can tear a couple apart. Yeah. And the fact that my parents are still together. Mm -hmm. Uh, they'll be celebrating 50 years in wow. June. So they're rock stars. So they're yeah. everything to me. Um, and it was one of those, well, I ended up in rehab. Mm -hmm. So that's what you said, the turning point. Yeah. Like, was there, what brought me back? Mm -hmm. I ended up in rehab. Uh, I put myself through, which 
if you're not ready to get sober, it's not going to work. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. got to make the choice yourself. No one's, no one, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't right. force it to drink type thing. Yeah. I met my husband mm-hmm. um, and that was a game changer because mm-hmm. at that moment it was super pivotal. I had, you always hear people talk about those like forks in the road. Yeah. Thank God. Like, thank you, Jesus, mm-hmm. that I didn't bust the left and have my like ego or that just self-sabotaging voice yeah. be louder than the other one mm-hmm. and realize this is like, this is a huge monumental moment in my life. And if I don't make the right decision, mm-hmm. uh, you're never going to have that opportunity again. Meaning mm-hmm. I met the man of my dreams. Uh, I had just gotten my third callback from WWE to do my in-ring tryout to see if you can like handle. Cause it was a, I went on a WWE diva search, right? They don't do them anymore. Um, so things were looking good. Things were looking good and I was yeah. still a mess, yeah. which is wild. Uh, what I, what I remember too, is like, you always, everybody wants to go out cause you think you're missing something. Totally. But then you go out, you, you don't miss it. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same stupid shit. Totally. Every time. So you think you're missing it. I got to be out there. Then you go out, you got to, I got to get a little buzz, mm-hmm. just whatever. And then when it's over, it's just like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have, you didn't miss shit. Not a thing. But you, and then I remember too, when I was, you know, I, um, struggled with drinking too. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you felt bad from drinking and then you drink to mask that pain. Totally. Cause you let it, you're like, I'm letting everybody down. I just don't want to deal with this. So then, then you want to be not deal with reality, you get kind of fogged over. Which is a mess. Like mm-hmm. that cycle is so like, even just saying it out loud, you're you're masking feeling bad by, because you were upset with yourself for even drinking and mm-hmm. now you're mad at, it's just like, what yeah. are you doing? The cycle is so insane. You'll never win. You'll never win. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up relapsing. Um, I mean, it's the worst. I apologize to my husband for putting it out there, but it's a real factual story that went down and, and that's what made everything kind of really change. Mm-hmm. I had just met Jonathan. We were going out to Vegas and at this time I'm probably racked up. I fresh out of rehab, by the way, I didn't mm-hmm. tell him because I mean, yeah, that's, that's not good. That, that's Hi, not the greatest nice eye break, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice, to meet, nice to meet you. Just out of rehab. So yeah, get I'm ready a for, winner. Yeah. Get ready for you a know? bunch of problems. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I was, not trying to have basket case yeah. written on my forehead. Mm-hmm. So um, it was his best friend's bachelor bachelorette party out in Vegas. Oh no. So I'm like, I got this, right? Yeah. I go out there with him. Uh, everything is great. And then everyone wants, it's ready to go out that evening. Mm-hmm. So then the first thing is everyone gets passed a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone pours obviously I don't tell Jonathan that you know I'm a recovering alcoholic and it comes to me I don't even think about it it was just like done Mm -hmm. boom throw it back and all of a sudden I'm off to the races Mm -hmm. the following day Jonathan looks at me and is like you're an alcoholic and then he called my mom uh it was wild wow Uh, but He's extremely smart, so he just yeah. obviously saw it out the gate, and then 
and he's the ultimate hype man, I'll say. I mean, he is. just like his personality and spirit is so positive and uplifting. So definitely got, that worked out good. But for him to call it that, most people in a new relationship, they don't want to call out no. their, somebody's shit. You oh know my what God. I mean? So the fact that he did that so, and obviously you trusted it, mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful. It really was, but I think it, it was also because he had seen something in me from just like my discipline with, with working, mm-hmm. um, my drive, what I wanted uh, in life. He saw that prior to the relapse, right? Mm-hmm. So he saw something within me. And then when he saw that, that's when he said, uh, you know, you have a, a serious problem. And obviously I came clean. And then uh, then we had the, the serious talk in the sense of he basically gave me the ultimatum. Like, if you want anything to work mm-hmm. right here, then you not only have to be sober, but you have to work a program. Mm-hmm. And that was that pivotal moment where I'm like, okay, well, what do I want? And the old me would have been like, eh, fuck this dude. I'm yeah. out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, running away or it's not going my way. So bing, done. Why was it different? Something about him. Something mm. about him uh, definitely Good job, was. Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, the, like I told you yesterday, he's the calm to my storm. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a tornado. Mm-hmm. So he's able to wheel me in and, and go in the right direction. But what I also appreciate is he doesn't put up with my shit. Like mm-hmm. I will run the show and I yeah. have no problem running the show, mm-hmm. but I need someone to put me in the place as well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, him being that anchor was super important that I, and then I saw that because previously I kind of can like manipulate and yeah. run, run over, uh, relationships, you mm-hmm. know, especially if things aren't going my way. And he kind of didn't, didn't really allow mm-hmm. that to happen. So, uh, I made the decision, called my sponsor with my tail between my legs and I asked her to take me back and she did. And then that's when my life got amazing. Mm-hmm. I got, uh, I started my in-ring tryout mm-hmm. and then Jonathan, he was working at Blizzard Entertainment, the gaming, uh, company. So he's a big nerd. Yeah. Um, and he would pack my lunches and have all my stuff dialed nutrition wise. Cause mm-hmm. I've never wrestled. Soccer is my sport. Mm-hmm. So even when I first started, uh, just the drills, the rolls, hitting the ropes, mm-hmm. I remember like not being able to like lift my legs. So sore. So sore. But bruised up or all of it. Yeah. Everything. Cause you're, it's completely different muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just dialed mm-hmm. so uh when god puts you in the right place at the right time things you know move it. quick yeah um and i got that in-ring tryout after four weeks then i got the possibility to they couldn't tell me at the time that it was a reality show but they wanted me to go on this like interview audition type mm-hmm. thing where you basically sit on, in a green screen and then you just get hammered a ton of questions was it pretty competitive that was there a lot of girls going for that for the original developmental contract yes mm-hmm. but then once it got down to the in-ring tryout we started with i believe 17 mm-hmm. but after the first day four dropped because mm-hmm. it's all of it's real people want to say that Wrestling is fake. Yeah. Yes, of course. The, it's all predetermined. Right. Your characters are larger than life. 
Um, but the physicality yeah, is real. Fake that. You can't You're slam like, into the no one's trying canvas. To, yeah. Right. No one's trying to knock somebody out like the UFC. Right. Very, very different, mm-hmm. uh, sports, mm-hmm. one sports entertainment, you know, you have to remember that, but the physicality to do it. So when you take an actual bump, which is just, you know, where you see somebody getting a clothesline and they take and hit their back hits the, the mat. Yeah. That shit hurts. Yeah. And that. your, your first time doing it. I mean, it definitely takes the wind out of your just a wake up uh, call for a lot of girls. Oh, they're, for sure. like, they're like, yeah, no, thank you. They're in <laughs> I Los wanted to Angeles. Be a model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this shit. It's funny because when I first told Jonathan, I was like, yeah, I'm about to go on this opportunity, letting him know also that if the, this relationship were to proceed, mm-hmm. don't be that guy that's going to try to like make me stay because if I get this, I'm moving to Tampa because mm-hmm. that's where their developmental facility was. And his first reaction was like, why do you want to get hit in the face? Like what? <laughs> yeah. um, but then once he actually understood, ultimately it had everything that I wanted to do into one. So mm-hmm. why I related to your story also is because sports and everything was huge in my life. Mm-hmm. So growing up, wanted to be with my brothers, wanted to play anything that they were playing and be better than them. Mm. So when I got into high school, I played every sport, uh, soccer, volleyball, track, and then soccer really was one that I kind of started to hone in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that dream, like after college, was kind of taken away, or like I stopped because I ended up not believing in myself. Mm. This is where my dad still to this day has a a regret because they never really pushed us like you should do this. Yeah. They allowed us to To make the choice, make the choice. And so I made the choice because I tore my uh, ligaments in my ankle my senior year. Mm. So I made the choice that my senior year is like, I'm going to be done. Yeah. You know, even though I came back um, and played the, the remaining season mm-hmm. I made the choice to hang up my cleats right and mm-hmm. which my dad was not happy was about disappointed yeah so I went to my junior college um and then had the had the bug and I was like yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. go try out mm-hmm. uh went tried out made the team I got first team all league both years mm-hmm. and then I was like okay cool now I'm gonna hang up my yeah. like uh ready and to move on yeah. ready to move on mm-hmm but which was a mistake because um, I ultimately transferred to Arizona State and then transferred back to California, mm. Cal State Fullerton, mm-hmm. and then wanted to play. Mm. So I went, talked to the coach, walked on, tried out, got it, and then had to go see the athletic director. And they're like, sorry, NCAA rules. Your clocks run out. Oh man! So the it's five a, years from when you started. Yes. Yeah. So it's a perfect example of like self belief, right? Yeah. Yeah. You you're your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to face yourself every single day, mm-hmm. and the the belief is imperative with anything that we do in our life. Yeah. It can take you there, or it can take you out. Right. Regardless of obviously, you have to be honest and say like, "Am I good enough?" Mm-hmm. Well, I battled with that because I was like. I don't know. Yeah. I think that I am, but 
I never really felt like I was, mm -hmm. you know? So it was, that was definitely crazy. So as the moment that happened, then I was like deflated right? and beat myself up. And then now I had no real discipline. Yeah. The, yeah. The gym, yeah. the, uh, playing, showing up for your team, mm -hmm. being a leader that gives you some, that fuels yeah. you. Yeah. And you show up for the other people. So then once that's removed. Yeah. There's no accountability. Oh my God. That's yeah. when shit was all on and popping. Yeah. And then yeah. the beast came out and that beast was not pretty yeah. and not good. Right. And that's where things like went downhill real quick, real fast. All right. So, uh, which ultimately led into, you know, obviously having to get sober and everything. I wonder why, why do kids not want to <clears throat> listen to their parents about like pushing hard enough I, or not drink? <clears throat> it's right. just like. <clears throat> it's actually really crazy mm -hmm. um, because now that I'm older and now I have nieces and nephews and then uh, now that we live in Texas, I'm back next to uh, my childhood best friend. And so I get to see like her twins mm -hmm. and it's really, really crazy how it's just like innate in children to not want to believe mom and dad. Yeah. It's wild. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why that is uh, something in them but when your mom and dad is saying something to you it's probably because they already went through it yeah. and they're not trying to have you make the same mistakes That's it. um and save you the grief and the pain mm -hmm. but on the flip side i'm very much the type of person where i got to watch my brothers kind of make certain mistakes mm -hmm. you would think that i would learn from that because i'm like literally watching right. it happen in front of me and seeing the results yeah yet i'm the type of person that's like it's gonna be different for yeah. me yeah. like let me give this a go right people, let me give this a shot yeah people have to fall on their face on their own i guess yeah first light farms has been a great sponsor of the podcast because bottom line not everybody gets their bowl every year so some people's freezer isn't filled with elk meat for people like that they want an option of how can they eat elk meat that's great tasting and really as close to wild as you can get because if you look where these elk are raised in New Zealand, it's mountainous country. So if you're looking for an option of great tasting, lean, high quality protein, check out First Light Farms. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. So your brothers, they were athletic? Yeah, yeah, all of them. Right? Yeah. That probably made you pretty tough hanging out with them. Is that why you're good at sports? I think so. I think it was one of those things where uh, my mom, she always says this story is, I was about four. And she takes me down to like a local uh, little beauty pageant. And... I get out there, I'm in this little dress, whatever, and I walk the little runway and the the, the judges or, or people there were like, oh my gosh, you know, we love her, we want her, all this great things. But I told my mom, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to go home. I want to play baseball with the boys because I knew that's <laughs> what they were doing yeah. right at that moment. Right. And so my mom was like, Okay. And then that was it. And Your so pageant days were over. That was it. That was done. <laughs> and, uh, I never looked back. So I think I wore 
I mean, I'm very much a tomboy at heart. So mm. all the way through high school, I was like in a sports bra and a wife beater going to school. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was that was <laughs> me. Jonathan likes to make fun of the fact that he'll go back to my parents' house and see photos and be like, who is this? <laughs> like, I have no clue. But yeah. I just wanted to be like one of them. Yeah. You know, it was very much. I loved them. I thought they were like the coolest because mm-hmm. they're all older. So I wanted to whatever I possibly could do to hang out with them. And if that meant how to step my game up and be able to play with them. Like yeah. I remember even uh, playing in our, our swimming. So my, my dad and my godfather, they built a pool in our backyard. Mm-hmm. So playing pickle in the in the uh, pool, you know, from the deep end step to the yeah. how to step my game up and, and learn how to play that so I could play the games with all the guys, right. you know. Cause I didn't want to just be sitting out on the sideline watching. <laughs> How I'm many like, times did you run in crying from getting hurt? You know, what's crazy about that? I probably maybe once because really? the moment that I did that, yeah. uh, they were like, you'll never play with us again. <laughs> so I had to really bite Get my tough. lip like immediately. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, Oh, that's good. Uh, so in, in regard to the WWE stuff, yeah. so you were, the bad guy, uh-huh. the villain. Immediately. Yeah. Why? Mm. I think multiple reasons. I think one, with anything like uh, coming into something, perfect example, hunting, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes there is this thing of having to, who is this person and they haven't paid their dues, mm-hmm. right? So in wrestling, it's in the sense of there's the, there's an independent circuit, people that are training, um, trying to make it into whether it's WWE's developmental program, then to the main roster. So usually if you say from the independent circuit, you make it into the developmental of WWE, then you're usually in developmental for like a minimum of three years, right? And that's a that's pretty fast. Three years and then you get called up. Hopefully, does, it, does what is the pay difference between that and the oh, big show? Very big. Yeah. However, the positive is you're able to fully focus once you. I mean, it's not. It's not amazing at the time for me. I was like, this is amazing money. Yeah. You know, because I was just I was sharing a bed with a a girlfriend at the time yeah. when I met Jonathan. So the v- developmental contract. I was like, sign me up. (laughs) Like, let's do that. I'm exactly (laughs) like, let's go. This is a guaranteed check. Let's go. Yeah. Um, But from there into main roster, Mm -hmm. not like it's a very night and day. Yeah. Um, So I think that's really what started it off is who's this girl? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, her first day on the job. I'm at WrestleMania. That's mm. our biggest event of the, that's like our Super Bowl. Yeah. It's WrestleMania and then SummerSlam. Those are, why, why like, were you there first? Because of the reality show. That was oh. the first day of filming. Oh, so, so they were announcing it or? We, I, we basically just showed up backstage mm. and started filming oh. and then like introducing myself to everybody. So everybody else was looking around going, who is who this? Who is this? Yeah. And like what? And now she's on the main roster and she doesn't know how to wrestle. She's had just a four week tryout and now she's, uh, all of a sudden on this so-called reality show. Cause at the time we didn't know 
if the reality show was even going to be a hit, mm-hmm. right? Because so many things, even today, like they'll get pilots made mm-hmm. or certain shows will get made and then they either never make it to air or they just don't really resonate with whatever audience. Right. So um, the first season, even talent backstage kind of thought it was a joke mm-hmm. in the sense of total divas, like, cool. Yeah. Like, great. That's yeah. not going to, that's going to flop. Yeah. Um, but luckily it killed it. Mm. Like we had, we were right after the Kardashians. So our lead in was, Huge or no, our, we were, yeah, I think we were either right after the Kardashians or right before mm. one of the, I think we were right after. Cause I think you want the lead in. Mm-hmm. So great time slot. Um, and it was just a really good time for showcasing something yeah. like sports mm-hmm. entertainment. Um, and now it did great. Mm-hmm. So then now we're in like season two, but I think immediately that was kind of the, the jump off of me mm-hmm. being a villain. Cause mm-hmm. it, it, it's just, it's hard to enter a world that feels a certain way, which so I, you I had get. haters like the raw, the, the established roster didn't like the new girls kind yeah. of. Right. Yeah. Which I totally understand. I've been in yeah. locker rooms my entire life. Right. Um, and eventually I'll win them over because you can't, you, you cannot, unless someone just is like straight up just a hater, which is highly, very possible. Yeah. Once somebody meets you or meets and sees what you're all about, meaning mm-hmm. that you're not there and you're just going to kick your feet up and, and yeah, ready not, work. not realize like mm-hmm. the opportunity that you have or the respect for what, whatever you're entering in the business, the hunting, it, it, whatever that may be yeah. and sees your work ethic and sees like, Oh no, you're the real deal. Yeah. Like you want to be Gotta here. Respect the game. Totally. No matter what the game is. 100%. Got to respect who totally. goes before you. Yeah. So that's why I didn't really have a problem initially them not really liking me because they don't know they don't know me yeah. from Adam. But once they did, you won them over. You think? I think it bothered them more. Mm. Oh, <laughs> because now it kind of uh, fuels an insecurity, mm. whatever they're working through. Yeah, you know, in mm-hmm. the sense of you challenge them, and a the bit. and the fact that it, uh, I wouldn't allow me to drop down to any negative level, mm-hmm. you know, where, uh, kill with kindness is always the way to go. Yeah. So, um, it took me a while, but eventually, yeah, I, I think, you know, was there a time when you're like something hurt so bad? You're like, I'm not going to do this. Was anybody like say anything or was it like a time where you really had to gut check? Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I'll, I'll put on the facade yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm able to do that very, very good. Yeah. I mean, I did that with my addiction problems for right. a very long time. Yeah. Um, but then behind closed doors, like mm-hmm. to my husband, to my family, you know, I'd be a wreck. I'd be like, <laughs> uh, you I, was, know. I shouldn't be laughing, but I <laughs> no, understand. For sure. I understand. Um, where it's like, you know, whether it's crying or being super emotional mm-hmm. or, um, all of those things. And then, you know, I basically would get the, the pep talk either from Jonathan or, um, my parents are really good. My dad, especially, you know, where it's like, let the fuck up. Like, do you want to yeah. do this or not? Right. Like not everyone's going to like you Yeah. be, be who you are, mm-hmm. do your job 
and get on with it. Mm -hmm. A little tough love. Basically. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and you kind of see that through, I did six seasons of Total Divas and you really get to kind of see, you you ride the the ride with me Mm -hmm. um, and you get to kind of see everything kind of, kind of go down, but it was always moments of, of doubt or little things creeping in of like, what is going on? Like this is, yeah. and it's always easy to be like, why me? Why are they so mean to me? You yeah. know, when it's like, stop. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. It's so hard because things can be going great. Mm-hmm. A million things. Yeah. One thing. Oh yeah. And you're just all the way back down mm-hmm. and it's just one hit. It's just like, no, well you're ignoring all this good shit and all these good things people were saying and all this. And now, cause one person, whatever. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of, I have no idea why that is. It's like human nature, right? You could even see it on social media. Like you could post something mm-hmm. and it could be, you're getting like all the love, all the love, all the amazing, whether it's encouragement or like, that's so cool or whatever it may be. And then you have some little troll that yeah. leaves you some shitty comment. And then all of a sudden <laughs> that's what you're focused on. Yeah. It's like so weird how the human brain really works because if you really like remove the emotion behind it, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You should flock to the majority or like yeah. the overwhelming of one side as opposed to the other. I think people want everyone to love them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. It's just like, you don't love, why, you know, why don't totally. you love me? Why did you say that about me? You don't know me. It's like, so it's like, no, everyone needs to like me. Yeah. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Yeah. And then the one person who doesn't, you're like, what the heck? Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's very, very true. Especially, um, you know, I've done a, a lot of, I guess, self work through the yeah. steps. So a lot of that is, you know, I'm a people pleaser and yeah. I want people to, to like me. And then if you don't, I'm like, why? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm so nice. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I work hard. You just don't know all, me. <laughs> yeah. All of those things. Uh, and I think a really big reality check and growth was at the very beginning of my career, even for my husband too, um, is social media, right? So you're able to go ahead. Anyone in the world can leave a comment yeah. on anything that you do. So you have not only who I am in real life, which then you have my character, which I go by my middle name, Eva Marie. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I play a bad guy, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's character, right? Right. Then I'm on a reality show that showcases a little bit of the character, Mm -hmm. but then also really the real you me. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for people to see like in between the lines of those. So initially when people first started leaving comments or, or anything on social, I mean, they, they were coming for me because yeah. I was a, a bad guy. Right. And, um, I remember Jonathan being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, who are these <laughs> people? Like, these this people? is insane. Yeah. Like what? Um, and then I just learned as time went on. It doesn't nearly bother before I would take it to heart. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, or yeah. like my parents would see something and be like, yeah, oh, my mom, especially. So after kind of going through that little wave and realizing that's just kind of the nature Human of the nature, beast. Yeah. yeah. Um, then it was good. 
But it was a, it was a moment of did like you, what? So as the villain, you get, you got to kind of attack people or whatever. Did you ever want to be in villain mode on your comments? Oh my gosh! Like call people out for sure. <laughs> oh my god! And you know what? It's funny because Jonathan is so even like even keel, yeah, completely. But it was really hard for him the yeah. first. Uh, I'd say probably first year he would comment back and he's so he's super witty like he is so yeah. smart that you, he people, would usually those people are too dumb to get smart completely so yeah and then finally i was like okay jonathan you can't be comment, commenting back to these people yeah um but yeah he would murder him murder them in like a actual mm-hmm. intellectual way yeah. um and then finally it was just and then me trying to go after somebody oh, no man. that's not good because it's something is going to live on the in the comment and then I'm it's going to get blasted everywhere yeah. where then I'll look all look crazy. Well, and how it works is once you got the your fans that actually kind of know you, uh-huh. then they'll fight for oh. you. So somebody says something and then I got all the people That's the best. Yeah. That's the best when I see like you know, whoever your little community is, they're amazing. Yeah. They'll rally and they they go after anybody that's trying to uh, either downplay or be negative or anything like that. And so, you know, I, I kind of let that just yeah. kind of happen now. Yeah. I used to do the same thing too. Is it, But then you feel like you get your followers or whoever it is educated on how you think about things mm-hmm. and then they can pretty much say what you would say and you don't have to say it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. That's what's nice. You know, I, um, I used to watch back a million years ago, there was Portland wrestling Okay. on Friday nights. And it was brought to you by Tom Peterson Appliances. And we would have, I'd watch Friday Night Wrestling every Friday. And have you ever heard of Jimmy Superfly Snooka? Of course. You have? <laughs> of course. Buddy Rose? Um, no. But Buddy Rose was also one of the guys from local around here. Oh, okay. But yeah, Jimmy Superfly Snooka was my favorite. Oh my gosh. It, that's <laughs> that amazing was, because that was he was 40 in, years ago. And he was in the WWE. And then, uh, I mean, his legacy is pretty, pretty huge. They had Stan, the man Stasiak who would put an arm up like here and then punch whoever he was fighting in the chest and get, it's called a heart punch. And then they would go down from the yep. Stan, the man Stasiak heart punch. So I don't know. You should try that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure when I go back, yeah. that'll be my signature. Bring, bring, yeah, that, bring back. that back. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, I've always loved, I mean, I haven't watched as much you know, lately it's like yeah. when you get older or whatever, sure. but I used to love watching it when I was younger. And then I know it's turned into just, man, this amazing business and opportunity and so many, so many eyeballs, but yeah, being the villain probably is, I don't know, probably is the hardest job, isn't it? Because you get so much, people take that stuff so serious. They really, really do. And <clears throat> it's one of those things too, is I think initially when I first stepped in, it was like a villain amongst talent mm-hmm. and a villain amongst the audience. Because um, for me, you know, wrestling, I remember it like back in the day in the sense of when I would watch it with my brothers, like Hulk Hogan era um, and those guys. But then I had fallen off and, and didn't watch it again until mm-hmm. I'm walking in the headquarters for my audition and then i'm looking around and i'm like oh my god wait this is wwf yeah you know because they obviously changed Mm -hmm. it to wwe and i'm that's when things started to like ping in my head in the sense of this has everything that i want to do 
um, cause I graduated with a, a business degree, mm -hmm. but I remember making the call to my parents being like, well, I'm not going to really go into like corporate world yet because I cuss too much. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's actually, I told Jonathan, I was like, Ooh, my mouth is, uh, it's not too, too bad. <laughs> like Cam probably is like, yo, chill. No, no, no. For me, it's like, you're still down. I mean, I'm normally, yeah, I get it, but yeah. Wayne was definitely shocked. Shout out to Wayne. Wayne, you know, <laughs> I love you guys over there. Yeah, they're the best. They are the best. Mm -hmm. But um, so. You weren't ready to go to the business world. Exactly. So yeah. I call my parents and I basically say, uh, you know, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to move to L.A. for a little while and kind of put my feelers out and see what's going on that, over there. That was probably a big for them, they probably were like L.A., right? Yeah, basically. Nobody has a good impression yeah, exactly. of L.A. I mean, that city will eat you up and spit you yeah, out. Yeah. So uh, when I got the call and I went in for my like cattle call audition, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this has everything I want to do. Not only do you have to be a professional athlete, so you have mm -hmm. to be disciplined and be able to handle all the physicality. You get to perform live. You get to be a character. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get to travel the world performing live mm -hmm. as well as WWE does do amazing things within communities. Mm. So, um, you're able to give back and be of service. So I'm like, dude, this has everything that I want to do infused into one spot. Like mm -hmm. let's sign me, let's giddy up, let's yeah. go. And so that's where I say like, you know, God putting you in the right place at the right, right time and like kind of just like having everything kind of fall and for you to hopefully pick up on that mm -hmm. and take my advantage completely. And yeah. then my dad always says, stay the course. Yeah. Like stay the course. So yeah. like seeing that and then like, you know, writing, writing that opportunity. And thankfully I did. And, and within my time there, like I've been over to Afghanistan twice to go visit our troops mm. and give thanks to them for what they yeah. do for us over here. So it's like doing stuff like that is, is oh, huge. Yeah. No. And, and you're right. You have to be, sometimes opportunities present themselves and the people just, they're not ready or right. the person's ready or they're still busy sabotaging themselves For and that sure. opportunity goes and who knows what could happen. I mean, you, this could easily went by you because you were in a different stage of oh, your life, sure. but for whatever reason, as you say, God's blessing puts you in the right state of mind to be. And Jonathan came in at the right time and everything aligned. And then here you are mm -hmm. pretty pretty incredible. I mean, Cam, you do not get it. That's why I'm saying <laughs> I am not supposed to be sitting across from Cameron Haynes. Like that's nuts. And that's like the beautiful thing about social media too mm -hmm. is, uh, I know that we've like even chatted about like negative parts of it, Yeah. but the beautiful thing is I got to start following you, someone in Oregon, I'm in California that I normally wouldn't even get the opportunity to like cross paths with right. and follow your journey, see what you're doing and get inspired by somebody by what they're doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So hearing your story, <clears throat> excuse me. It's all good. I, I feel like, <clears throat> oh my gosh. Do you need a water? <clears throat> Actually, yes. Can I have a water? Um, I know I have like a little bit of a cold i think that's just like wanting to linger there you go oh thank you the life of being on on set rihanna thank you yeah. girl <laughs> mm. we're, we're, you're used to live 
Yeah, I know. Live so TV is gotta, like, you got to suck that I shit down. I could imagine. Yeah. If you're doing delivering a live Oh my God. Thing. It's nuts. Live yeah. TV. It, it's, it's really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. But going back to what I was saying, why it is amazing and yeah. like how social media technically, um, even me being here, being able to lift run shoot with you is a, a just a, it's crazy. And like, I am super grateful for it. Um, as am I. Awesome. I mean, because, yeah, when would we ever connect if it wasn't for right. social media? Exactly. And that's, yeah, that is, we get focused on the negative, but there's so of much course. positive because you get that same type of, you can kind of learn what somebody's about sure. and be like, yeah, I'd like to come and share a shared suffering, lift some weights, do some running, do some cool shit. That would never happen, but it happened and uh, it's amazing. No, it really is. And that, and that is the positive with social media. Mm-hmm. And then also too. Being able to, uh, the amount of people that you can influence, yes. right? And in, in, in a positive, obviously there's a responsibility with that too, mm-hmm. um, but in a positive manner. So when I first heard about this guy in Oregon working a nine to five job, running a, a damn near a marathon a day mm-hmm. um, and shooting a bow, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, yeah. what? A marathon That's a, a good day. Question. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and and married and has three kids. Yeah. I told Jonathan, <clears throat> and uh, we were like, "What?" And that's when we started following you, right? And then mm. the clearly the consistency, mm. and that's what it's about, also in life in general with what you want. You know, sometimes, and I'm a very impatient person, yeah. but if you stay the course mm-hmm. and you are persistent and consistent in what you're doing on a daily basis. Like we were even saying when you, when you were smoking me yesterday on the run, it's like you know one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Hence why like the motto, I live you know a day at a time. Yeah. Because that's all we got. That's all we got to focus on, that's especially right. with my head. If I'm thinking about yesterday or last year or tomorrow yeah. or what's going on in the future, that's not a good space for me. Right. <laughs> then then it's counterproductive because yeah. now I'm stuck in this area it's hard to to just focus on what's in front of you for sure that is it's a talent or an art or something but to your point you stay the course day after day month after month and then who knows where the hell you could go because as just like you i shouldn't be here either i mean i should died in a deep you know a drunk driving oh me too accident and it's like the fact that we beat the odds and now we're here sharing an amazing experience and influencing others with, we'll be able to share this content, what we did yesterday, and it's going to impact others. Mm -hmm. And that's like, so we beat the odds. We shouldn't be here, but we are got to make the most of it. Right. 100%. Yeah. And just kind of going, continuing to attack. So like, and that's, what's so cool is like, you know, you're a bow hunter from Oregon, right? mm -hmm. I'm a girl from California. However, there's a lot of crossover and similarities in the sense of stories where you should have multiple DUIs. Well, mm-hmm. I have multiple DUIs. Right. I got caught. You did not. I got lucky. You know, and mm-hmm. then I could have killed someone or mm-hmm. myself. Thank God that I didn't. Where those opportunities and they don't happen for other people. Mm-hmm. So it's very um, important to realize the journey mm-hmm. of the process of even getting here. You making the conscious decision of like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Same with me. Mm-hmm. Um, where do I want to go? 
and really making that choice because ultimately uh, you have the control over what you have control over. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately the choices that you decide to be to make, whether it's what you're eating, are you working out, doing those like simple things that people mm -hmm. forget um, is really important, you know, making, and those are daily wins. They like are. they yeah. really are. And that they, they do add up. Well, and if you would look back on those lowest moments, like for me, I remember that I think it's in my book where I'm there when my, they towed my truck and I was getting my stuff out of my truck. I had a gun in there. It hit me in the back of the head, all the stuff. And, uh, if you would look at me then, or maybe look at you when you were, I guess, in jail, mm -hmm. nobody would envy that and say, man, I would give anything to be totally. in their shoes. But so, so many people could identify with that with being at the, their lowest and struggling and wondering what kind of, why they're making the shitty decisions they're making. So they can identify with that. But then you look at with consistent positive effort where you could be. And it, to me, I want them to know just like we did, you could, who knows what these people are capable of mm -hmm. just by living, making better decisions, uh, living clean, they could too go from the, basically the depths, the gutter, mm -hmm. whatever, the worst day of, of someone's life into success beyond what anybody imagined. Oh and my it's, gosh. It's, it's like, if that message, if we can share that message to me, it's all worth it. All everything, everything we're doing is worth it because we could have a positive impact on others. I agree. And the, the, what I love about your message too, from, you know, Obviously, I read your book and then I listened also to the audio, which is fantastic, um, is it's very easy to have a crutch, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't have the crutch in the sense of like terrible parents or a terrible upbringing. So I didn't even have that crutch to use mm -hmm. as like a poor me syndrome. It was like, no, you're an idiot and mm -hmm. you're continuing to self-sabotage your life by continuing doing this. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you had you kind of refresh. It's kind of crazy because when you talk to somebody and it starts to almost like refresh certain things that I had like totally put in the way back of my brain and mm -hmm. forgot about. Um, but I too totaled my car. I got a hematoma. I broke my nose and the, my childhood best friend that now I live 20 minutes from. And one of the reasons why I moved to Texas, mm -hmm. I missed her bachelorette party to, to her wedding mm. right but now fast forward which is horrible terrible friend selfish mm -hmm. fast forward to where i am now now i live down the street totally show up for when whatever jonathan and i can go to her kids games mm -hmm. like actually a friend yeah you know right. where it's that wasn't what i was prior right and i think that's also kind of piggybacking on confidence when you're able to show up mean what you say say what you like say what you mean and when you tell people certain things do them yeah you know and that it builds your simple. it does <laughs> it really does yeah. but that builds your confidence mm -hmm. um and when you're not doing the things that you know that you should be doing i know for me that's when i feel the shittiest yeah. if i'm not hitting my meetings or mm -hmm. if i'm not doing my program if I miss a workout, if I'm uh, not eating as clean as I know that I should be, mm -hmm. all those things totally add up in the negative. We want to go, we want yeah. 
to stack them to the positive. It's and when you start accomplishing things, then when you show up somewhere, because it would be like if I was going to show up somewhere, I'd be like, last time these guys saw me, I was blacked out. I don't even remember mm. what I did or what mm. I said. Probably made the biggest idiot of myself. So then I'd be like, well, I better get a little buzz. Mm. Then I won't even worry about it. Where now when you show up after doing, then you're like, well, they could ask me about my book or they could ask me about a podcast guest totally. or now it's all positive instead of me trying to like forget, I, I don't know, just the mistakes I made mm -hmm. and why this is going to be awkward. Now it's just like, I don't really care if they ask me, but if they do, it's positive. I'll look forward to it. And mm -hmm. then I can have a good story about, oh yeah, me and Natalie Lifter and totally. shot bows. It was amazing. Or yeah, the yeah book did great. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. So it's like a whole different you're just going, as you said earlier, different branches of the road and one's great, still has challenges. Mm -hmm. One's just more negative mm -hmm. and it's just, it seems so easy. Um, when you think about it, it should be easy, but man, humans, it's, uh, life is going to be tough sometimes. Make, sure. Just making good decisions. It really is. And no, no matter what, life is difficult. You, mm -hmm. you run through your fair share of trials and tribulations regardless of your bad decisions mm -hmm. so it's just you're trying to mitigate the destruction yeah you know because regardless of how well you're doing uh things are going to come at you at, yeah. at certain times so right. you know it's trying to alleviate the real destruction, I guess. And, and I think, so I could imagine, sounds like, you know, your dad had a big influence on you, but it's always good when people, when they talk, when I always think they're talking to your dad and they're saying, man, Natalie, she seems like she's doing amazing, you know, as, as opposed to before it'd be like, mm -hmm. is Natalie okay? Is how's she doing? Okay. So that's, I mean, how good must that feel to make your, your dad proud? So I think that's probably the best feeling in the world in the sense of when I talk to my parents, uh, I could see they're just so proud mm -hmm. of, and the, and they do, they they do a good job with, cause like growing up, it wasn't, we didn't really talk, talk about our feelings too much. Right. Um, and guys aren't good at that anyway. No, exactly. And it was one of those things where it's like, no one really ever like cried either because, mm -hmm. um, it was more along the lines, like, do you want me to give you something to cry about type thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in like the best way, you know, mm -hmm. like there's nothing, I don't see anything negative. I feel like that's, it's great. As I said, tough love is, is I, I think a positive so. sometimes too. For yeah. sure. Um, but now, you know, there'll be moments where like my dad will call me out of the blue and just kind of give me that reminder of, look how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Well, um, and I, I want to talk about that too, because, uh, man lately, oh, I was wondering, have you ever heard of blood origins? Have, I have. They, have they reached out to they you? Have. Yeah. I figured yeah. just because they do a great job of telling the story of like the full story of hunting. Yeah. And a lot of times it's new people in the hunting industry, um, or moving into the hunting world and telling their stories, how they, and I think that's, I think you'd make a great story. So oh, yeah? I think Robbie does a good job with his okay. films, doesn't he? Yes. No, big time. And they were one of the first people when I actually first put out, you know, uh, kind of 
my hunting narrative, mm-hmm. they they were one of the first to like kind of reach out and basically be all on board. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was amazing. So it why hunting? Um, I think for me, multiple reasons, right? So mm-hmm. growing up, my godfather, huge hunter. Um, I mean, we're sitting in here and I'm, I'm kind of like have that feeling of remembrance of him because when I would walk into as a little kid, walk into his house, you know, he had a lot of his shoulder mounts and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pride there and he was a great chef. Mm. And so he would, uh, always cook for like anytime that my family went over there, it would be some type of like ordeal of food, wild game or wild game. Um, abalone was the first he prepared that i've never had that again Mm -hmm. since him so that's one and then number two is honestly um jonathan and i started watching a lot of those uh the the pita videos right oh yeah so the the factory farming this isn't i'm not talking about like ranchers right Mm -hmm. that's completely different right which there's I mean, some great cattle ranchers. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And I've been to amazing ranches mm-hmm. um, and all the hard work. And that's completely different than what I'm talking about. Factory farming is <clears throat> what everybody sees on that PETA post. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, seeing kind of how gross and nasty the chicken, like they're on top of each other. Yeah. They're s- super closed and in fine places. That's just not ideal whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then um, really wanting to know where exactly my food is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when you're factory farming like that, there's so many things that you have no idea, like the the hormones. I mean, right. even I, I think one of the things like a cow could have X amount of cancerous cells Mm. And it's still okay. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, wait, so then that's cool. And then you're going to, I'm going to eat that. Yeah. That makes zero sense to me. Right. So then once again, Cameron Haynes out here mm. with your bow, just talking about wild game mm-hmm. um, and seeing how the way that you kind of put that out there, mm-hmm. then that's when the wheel started to really kind of turn for my conversation with Jonathan mm-hmm. wanting to hunt and then how can that really happen? Right. Cause yeah. I'm super new. Don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, so you never hunted as a kid at never all. hunted as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so that's where a social media yeah. is a beautiful thing because, um, it kind of all is piggybacks off of one another. I ended up receiving your book with, a hat and a knife, right? Mm -hmm. From Montana knife company. And that's when I started following that brand and Mm -hmm. fell in love with that brand. And then I started following Josh, the owner and his wife, Mm -hmm. Josh and Jess. Yeah. And so, um, then built a relationship there. And luckily I opened up my big mouth, which sometimes it works in my favor. (laughs) Um, and I had received, the cooking where like the chef's knives from Montana knife. And so I'm on social media talking about them. And then I just casually put in the same video talking about, okay, now I have these like knives. Cause I, on our property, I do 
the yard work that I kind of told you about. And yeah. I always have a knife strapped to my fanny pack. Right. Um, for protection. For protection. You never know. You can <laughs> get know. T- you can get tied up in my weed eater, uh, <laughs> my lawnmower. You know, yeah. lots of things can go haywire out yeah. there. So uh, I just casually said it on social about a hunt. And mm. luckily, for whatever reason, Jess saw it. Josh's wife mm-hmm. told Josh, hey, maybe you should reach out and see if this girl, she seems cool. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she's not like some cuckoo bird. Yeah, like most girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> no, he's not. But that's not uh, do you think that's fair that you can just say just because just you're a pretty girl that, hey, I want to hunt and then you got people willing to take you? Whereas if a guy said that, it'd be like, go learn it on your own. That's not fair, is it? Well, do you think that would happen if a guy said that? It's my story. It's happened in my story just now. But then what's the difference in the sense of another girl is the one that basically said that I should go? Oh, okay. So okay. it's so it would be a little bit different if, and if it was And I did invite Joe. Joe's a guy. See? <laughs> okay, so anyway. Nice I, just, I, just, I see yeah, what you're doing I there. I just I trolling. You. But... but <laughs> Almost, almost solid point. Yeah, I hear. You. Yeah, but close. thankfully, Jess was the one that she saw it. Told Josh, mm. um, maybe you should extend the invite because Jess had not um, hunted at all, and mm. that which I thought was crazy considering Josh is a, yeah. I mean, Montana, big, yeah, big knife. hunter. I yeah. mean, his son. Uh, I mean, his son's already shooting a bow and, yeah. and making kills as well. So. Anyways, long story short, he reaches out. Um, I talked to Jonathan. I was like, uh, this is what's going on. Yeah, she must need a little push too. So you were the push for her. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, whatever. But, but whatever reason. Totally. Like both two new hunters. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. And uh, reached out. And then Josh was like, well, you know, if you're able to scheduling wise, mm-hmm. this is basically going down really quick. And 10 days meaning really quick. So I talked to Jonathan and then uh, Jonathan was like, uh, yes, of course. Yeah. So that's kind of. That's way how... better than having to wait a whole year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Are you kidding that's me? That's awesome. That Waiting, is that's, so quick. That's another thing where I'm like, I think people have this misconception that like you just grab your rifle, grab your bow and you just all of a sudden are like, I'm going hunting mm. today. Yeah. You know, where it's like, no, no, there's like season. So you have to wait mm-hmm. for that season to come for you to even think about attempting or trying you yeah. know did, did was that a lot to learn that that process because i don't think people who don't hunt realize how much structure there is to hunting with the hunting licenses number of tags allocated um all the science and biology that goes into deciding how many animals can be killed was that a big process to learn. Oh my God, big time. And not mm-hmm. only that, how about this? You go ahead, you do all those those things, you purchase your tag, and then if you don't make a kill, well, thank you, goodbye. Yeah. You're not going home with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I literally thought like... Everybody got a kill? No. Oh. You keep trying until you get a kill. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which, but the season wasn't over and you were gone. Yeah. Like I had totally... This was a new world that I was... Mm-hmm stepping into. But the one thing that I have to say about myself is, um, I am coachable. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when I'm walking into anything brand new, 
I might not like being new, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to learn from everybody that's the best. Right. Or I'm going to listen to every single Mm -hmm. person and and every uh, instruction because I'm whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, obviously I want to do it and I'm going to take it seriously. I'm like, I'm not trying to half-ass anything, Mm -hmm. especially going into hunting because it not only is it serious, but like so many things can also go wrong in the sense of, um, depending on where you're at, just like the terrain level, like people I feel don't realize how much effort goes into even the hunt. Yeah. Getting around, getting around, Mm -hmm. being fit. Like I get it. Like after running with you yesterday, it totally makes sense. And and now also coming off of my first hunt, Mm -hmm. of course, like if you're physically fit, you are going to be able to move, be able to, uh, carry, be able Mm. to do what you need to do in the mountains far more superior than somebody that is just sitting on their death. Yeah. What I always say is if the hunt is the hardest thing you've done, it's not going to turn out great because you can't expect to be at your best when you're fatigued and when you're in new, new territory, as far as effort goes. Mm -hmm. So my training, I want to be much harder than the hunt. So then the hunt, I'm focused on just the kill. For sure. I'm not focused on trying to catch my breath, my legs burning. You know, wh- what am I going to do with this stupid coat? I'm hot. Yeah. You know, I'm focusing on no me, getting close to that animal and killing it. And mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, they, uh, they diminish themselves because they're not prepared. Then they get out there and they maybe take a shot that isn't the best they're not at their best. Mm -hmm. And so who's going to suffer? The animal's going to suffer. Oh, for sure. And I think that's what's like super important too, is, um, regardless, like everything you get better with reps Mm -hmm. with everything that in in life in general, the more you do something, it's obvious that you're going to get better at it. Right. So if going out there, you have one, one shot or one arrow, whatever it may be to actually do what you are set out to get, you know, and ultimately for me and Jonathan is, uh, there's nothing better. It just puts a different perspective. Now having our freezer full of wild game meat that I went out personally and got, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that is, that's powerful. That's heavy. That is something that not that many people, I feel I, I said it then. And I do a, I still feel the same way where I feel like each person should experience it at least one time Mm -hmm. just because it, it, it does something to you. Mm -hmm. It really does. I feel it's crazy because it was my first time was a life changing experience. Like I feel definitely it, it not only will I always remember it because it's my first, Mm -hmm. But it makes me have a different appreciation even for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and the feeling of like, wow, what you are set out, what you can do, what you're set out to do, whatever you put your mind to mm-hmm. as well, you can accomplish, you know, and, and it's important to provide, yeah. Yeah, to provide for your family. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's what we're one. set. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're set out to do. And the fact that you can physically provide for your mm-hmm. family that's the shit. Yeah. Like that's what it's about because right. let's go back in time. If shit were to hit the fan, you can't survive. If right. you're not drinking water 
or you have food to eat. Mm -hmm. So if you can't go get your food, Mm -hmm. see ya. Yeah. You're weak. Right. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we live in an age of comfort and ease these days, but I think it's, it's great to, that's fine. We all enjoy the comforts of whatever we're heat lights, yeah. everything sitting here. But I think it's also important to understand what it takes. As you said, if the shit hits a, hits a fan and now you're asked to provide for you and your family, are you able to do it? Totally. And just the fact that you can do it means a lot. You oh know, my goodness. You might not have to technically, who knows, but you can. And that's, it changes your mindset on, to me, on everything, the way you look at things. Even, you know, we're eating yesterday and we had uh, elk steak chili. Which and, was amazing. Shout yeah. out to your wife. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, now she does a great job. She's uh she doesn't hunt, but she cooks the hell out of that stuff. Yeah. And so we're always, I pretty much eat. I had um, backstrap this morning for amazing. breakfast. So, um, but yeah, it's like, there's something meaningful yeah, you could open a couple cans of Nally's chili. Yeah. Had some Fritos to dip in there. I mean, who doesn't like that? That's what I used to cook the boys mm-hmm. every night for dinner. But there's something different about when it's elk meat in there that that I know I wouldn't killed. Um, I think that was from my Oregon Bowl this year. And it's just, yeah, you don't talk about it, but you you know it. And it, you know, internally it's it means something. But um No, yeah. it's that's huge. I think it's great that you're in the hunting realm now and a voice for hunting in some regards, you know, I'm probably going to be a bigger voice because you come at it from a different, obviously different, uh, crowd perspective. Uh, your followers are different than yeah. say my followers. Mm-hmm. So to be able to educate them and share your thoughts on the process is just going to have, even if they don't hunt, will have a rippling effect. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's important. Like we were saying about social media and like, you know, I've been very blessed with uh, the platform that I have mm-hmm. been given. And so, you know, it's what do I want? How do I want to use that platform? Right. You know, what do I want to say? And obviously, uh, I feel, you know, there is responsibility in that and uh, being able to actually set the tone and the narrative around hunting, because I think it is so it's kind of in, in more of the mainstream media is done so kind of negatively. Yeah, yeah, it's misunderstood. Very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So it's if I can shed the light in a positive way, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that um, if you are wanting to possibly go hunting, pick it up, try it, you should. Mm-hmm. You know, where you don't have to be. I know that there is this kind of thing in the hunting that I that I've kind of have heard in the sense of usually getting brought into the hunting world is usually kind of generational. Mm-hmm. Like you get taught when you're a young boy yeah. or a young girl, and then Generally. it's kind of, that's where it kind of lives. Um, but in order for this to grow and to become something that is not talked so negatively about mm-hmm. there is something about like for instance josh being willing to open up someone so new to it that has never done it and and want to showcase and share how to do how to do a hunt yeah you know like what do you how to get started how do you from your like 
from your gear to all of those little things that uh, you don't really think about yeah. um, is important. And so kind of to showcase that and, and be the voice of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and even on the run, you know, being able to shoot the shit with Rihanna mm-hmm. and, and kind of pick her brain in the sense of like, she's a badass bow hunter, you know, like yeah. that's awesome. There's something super powerful about being able to be a woman mm-hmm. and handle yourself in the mountains. Yeah. Because I always think why I also wanted to get into hunting is because I started thinking about, let's say shit goes south, right? Yeah. Hypothetically speaking right. here, can I survive? Mm-hmm. Can I, like, can I literally live? Yeah. Well, no, because... I feel I could make a kill for an animal because if I was in desperate need to. Yeah. But then what? Can I get Take the care meat? Of it, yeah. Can I do all of the things that you need to do to actually utilize that animal once you make the kill? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I couldn't. So that was a heavy, heavy yeah. like that's a that's a big. Oh well, you know what? Yeah. You better be. Right. So, that's really also why I wanted to get into hunting too is to, mm-hmm. it's to provide, to be able well, to, to do that. Yeah. It's, and, and that is kind of the number one question. People who don't hunt, they're like, you know, you kill a big bull or whatever they go. So how do you get it out of the mountains? And yeah, so that whole thing is like, well, and I always say in pieces, Yeah, <laughs> but there's a, there's a huge part to the quality of meat, how your kills taken care of immediately. And then, you know, in the hours after the kill make a big difference on the quality of meat. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a learning process. And that's, it is an art, there's an art to that also. Um, you said a couple of things there that I want to touch on. It's like, you mentioned, yeah, if we're going to grow the tradition of hunting, that's one thing, but also because we said hunting is misunderstood by a mm-hmm. lot of people. So it's not even, even if they're never going to hunt, are they, are they seeing hunting shown in the right way? Mm-hmm. You know, is the right message being sent? Is um, this feeling of providing and being merciful? Is that message being shared? Because if you look at it, what there's like 14 million licensed hunters in the U.S. So I guess there's 300 and some million people. So close to only 5% hunt. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at the raw numbers like that, so 5% hunt, whereas 96 or 97 percent eat meat so that means there's 90 percent of the people who aren't killing themselves killing for themselves filling their freezer with with uh, hunting meat that are still eating meat Mm -hmm. and a lot of them have these preconceived notions on hunting and so is that a fair assessment or is it uh are they looking at it wrong because they just don't know so those to me those are the people those 90 million or 90 percent those are the people that we need to educate. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they don't have to hunt, but just so they understand it. And then you said another thing too, you said almost PETA inspired you to hunt Mm -hmm. because of the the videos they They were showing. Yeah, it was, it is horrifying to watch how those animals are treated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it, that was, you didn't want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, how can I, I'm still going to eat meat. How can I do that ethically? Exactly. And that was, that's what brought you to hunting. And not only that too, is 
these animals, they're out there. They're, I know exactly in the sense of they're not getting shot up with hormones. They're not trying to, mm-hmm. you know, that is done in factory farming. Those guys have, uh, they're getting pumped full of God knows what to make them yeah. bigger, fattier, mm-hmm. whatever, more meat. Um, and the fact that it literally was from farm to my table mm-hmm. is, is huge. So, but like you said, you know, packing it out too. I mean, breaking the animal down. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, definitely. So. Well, you know, here's something that that reminded me of also. Um, so I've killed a lot, been hunting for bow hunting for a long time, hunting since I was 15. So 40 years now. And this last year I killed a buck in Idaho and great buck. Um, I don't know where it is somewhere around here, but killed this buck in Idaho and it was super hot cause it was August 22nd, I think. So I wanted to take it into, they had this meat cooler where they're going to, they could process the meat for me cause I was going on another hunt. So I took it there and I said, Hey, would you guys mind if I skin this buck out in your cooler? Cause it's, it was, you know, getting close to hundred degrees outside, mm-hmm. big cooler, yep. the process all these beef every day in some little town in Idaho. So they said, Oh yeah, we'll uh, go around back. We'll let you get in there and skin that buck out. And, uh, I said, great. So we go around, get the buck out. Um, there's these kids in there working on these, these cattle, mm-hmm. some beef cows come, came in and they're skinning them out. And I was just watching them and their knives are super sharp. They're just like making quick work of all yeah. this. I'm talking to the kid. One kid has a black eye. I said, what happened when these cows kick you? Yeah. One, one last kick. He's like, no, I was out drinking, got mm. punched. My mouth got me in trouble. And I was like, yeah, I've been there. But anyway, so I said, I said, I'm going to go grab a monster out of the truck. Cause is, I wanted to just chill out, skin that buck. And I go outside to the truck and they're bringing it in a cow okay. and coming in the little stall kind of corralled in and there was a door that slid into where we were and the cow butted up against the door. The guy just walks up, has, <clears throat> has a bolt like what they kill the cows with, puts it right on his head, boom, a bolt goes into its brain, drops it. And I'm just standing there watching, cow drops. They open the door, pull it in, it's kicking around, uh. wrap it up, yard it up with the, with the winch and... Um, start whittling away on it still kicking around cut his throat had a big like rubber made thing under its head cut his throat all the blood comes pouring out and i'm standing there going man and they say what's up i go i don't know i said i'm not trying to be a pussy but and i know i just killed a buck today i go but that is that's hard for me to see see that cow came in probably thought it was coming to get grain and Boom, dead, and just that's just the way it goes. I still don't enjoy. I hunt, I kill all the time. To me, it was like the buck I killed had been out there for years, wild. It felt different. Yes, it's died, no different than that cow, but it just felt different. It feels different to be a hunter and to kill. And these kids are just—they do that. I said, "How many? How many uh, cows you guys butcher a day?" They're like. 35 or 40. Ugh. So they're killing 35 or 40 every day, zipping it up. Um, 
getting it cut up, packaged up and people buy it. Don't think about any of that behind the mm-hmm. scenes stuff. And to me, I was just like, man, I, for me as a hunter, it's so much easier than now seeing that. And I'm not saying everybody needs to see this behind the scenes stuff totally. because it's not going to help. Some people it's not, not going to help. It's just going to kind of traumatize them for sure. But just knowing that that happens this is like for you to have that burger and that steak. Mm-hmm. I know you're not seeing anything, but just know that that cow did come in a corral, come mm-hmm. up to a, a door that just slides open and it's going to be butchered up in there and was just dead just like that. Just know that happens. Yeah. So just be honest about it. For sure. I feel like hunters are honest about the meat they eat, the meat they provide for their families. Yes, there's blood on our hands and we accept that responsibility that we took a life. But because we accept that, we're able to honor it in a, in a way that maybe non-hunters don't honor their kills because it's hard to, For you, sure. you don't have that connection. But to me, that's the, it's a complicated journey of a hunter. I completely agree in the sense of, I had no idea what to expect going out on my first hunt. One, um, especially the emotions of it, you know, where I think that the misconception is you see on social media, Right. And the narrative of, of people standing with their their bulls or whatever it is that they they killed. And, and people are, are so upset with standing there with a with a dead animal. But it's not they're missing the whole entire purpose of like the joy or the photo. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that it's like, yes, I'm just a, yeah. I'm killing animals. It's not about that. It's the, the journey, the the process to get there, mm-hmm. the fact that the camaraderie of your camp. So like for, uh, for me, you know, being out there for my first time with, with Jess, her and I, that's, that was, we were set out to, to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. Then we have, uh, Josh and Gary leading, leading the way, mm-hmm. um, and kind of show, showing us basically all of the thing from glassing to being quiet. I mean, these guys can sent, like they sent you in the drop of a dime. Yeah. Like it's incredible to watch yeah. these animals in their, their natural yeah. habitat. Right. And then to go through all of the emotions in the sense of frustration to sweating your ass off, to mm. being tired, to carrying all your stuff, um, trying to track down the animal, it not being there, all of those things. And then to, to set up, to try to actually take one. And then when you mm-hmm. do, it's it's not like this excitement of like yes I killed an animal. It's more along the lines of a relief. Uh, uh, Did I make a good joy, shot? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Of of you really are taking that kind of heavy process, mm-hmm. and you're happy that it was the quickest and most painless. Hopefully that mm-hmm. it possibly could be, and the fact that all of that journey or all of the the endless lift run shoot days mm-hmm. got you and prepared you for that moment you know where people have this uh misconception of seeing somebody with their their bull and thinking it mm-hmm. oh my god how dare they that's terrible when it's so much more than that and yeah. the appreciation of the animal and everything that uh, that animal is going to bring to their life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the photo is. That's what the, the journey is. That's what the relief and the joy and the, the tears. I mean, I cried, I mm-hmm. cried, 
like I told you yesterday, I cried of frustration and I cried of, of tears of like joy and relief and thankfulness. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and that's kind of like the circle of life as well. So yeah. that's kind of how it's really, I mean, people say it where sometimes you're either going to love it or you're going to like really hate it, mm-hmm. you know, and you never know unless you try it. And I really, I fell in love with it of all of the, the, the journey of it. Mm-hmm. And then really ultimately the fact, I mean, it's a great, like when I'm cooking my elk, my elk meat or making whatever it is that I'm making, mm-hmm. I still think to the journey of it and just like, wow, where your story about the cows and the, the guys bringing in mm-hmm. the meat that you're picking up from the grocery store. Yeah. You don't have that connection. Right. You know, you're, you're picking up your meat and you're doing your thing and you're making your, your dinner or, or whatever it is, but you don't have that, like mm-hmm. that bond or that like emotional or, or that appreciation to that degree. Right. And I feel like that's also what, what hunting has done for me too, where it's made me, uh, not as wasteful either mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, that's also something that is also really, we're so, we eat so much and like, we're so wasteful. They say Americans throw away 40% of their food yeah, in the garbage. It. And so that includes meat. Mm-hmm. So that means that people who are buying steaks and hamburgers are like, I, I'm, I'm a little full. I'm going to push this aside. So they leave, you know, mm-hmm. a quarter of their hamburger, some of their meat of their steak. That was an animal that died totally. for, for you and you're throwing it in the garbage. And so, yeah, hunter, hunting, I know hunters, when they think of meat and they think of getting all the meat off that, the carcass after you're skinning it out, cleaning it up, taking everything you can, um, every ounce is like gold to totally. a hunter. Whereas to a non-hunter, it's just, you know, uh, you don't need to finish that, mm-hmm. throw it away. And, uh, you know, and, and the journey of a hunter is a complicated one because I've been on hunts. I've been where I didn't, I know I've spined animals before where you break their back, they drop, they can't move. Mm-hmm. So you got to run up there, get them yeah. killed quick because they're suffering. That's, that's just not fun. That's not fun. I mean, people have had to face that because that animal is looking, you know, obviously it's, it doesn't know what's going on. And that moment where a hunter and the animal and you're trying to get it killed quick, it's got a broken back. Some people will be like, I'm not doing this anymore. I right. can't, I can't do this. It's too intense mm-hmm. because we're, and we're able to, we're able to get through life without having uncomfortable moments for the most part. So there's times where, yeah, kills aren't always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. When, when anything dies, there's, it's not always clean and perfect, but that's hunting. So when a hunter can say, yeah, I didn't like how that felt. That's why I'm going to work my ass off totally. to make an ethical kill the next time, because I'm never going to forget how I felt and how that, what that animal was going through. And so it's, it's a testament to the hunter's spirit to be able to be like, yeah, that wasn't fun, but I'm going to do it anyway, mm-hmm. because somebody has to, For sure. because those animals, we don't have unlimited habitat. The animals won't manage themselves. Um, I've had many people say, you know, when I've killed a bear, why would you kill a bear? My response is because somebody has to. And if you're not, I will just say thank you Mm -hmm. because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a lot of shit that goes wrong or not goes wrong, but that's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but 
that's that's life. One hundred percent. That's life of a of a provider. If people are at home and you're providing for them, you don't want them to have to do it, so you will. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at it with bringing meat home to my kids. No, for sure. And like that narrative too is there's also uh, like it's one of those things where animals they can overrun and start messing mm-hmm. up the whole entire system yeah. of how things are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And that's also the whole purpose as well. And not only that, but you only get one, mm-hmm. like you get a tag and I get one, one and done. Yeah. You know, people think it's just, you go know, open season, you go out there, but yeah, it's uh, you know, they always say too, that let mother nature take care of itself. And that's not how it works. I mean, a bear in Alaska where I've killed a couple brown bear, the skulls are oh in the house over there, but they'll kill all the moose. They don't, they're not like, oh, I'm good. I'm not really that full. Yeah. They're like, when a moose is stuck in the snow, a big boar grizzly will go up and kill it. Might not even eat any of it. Go and kill another one. Totally. So that's just the way it works. And you can't, a, a grizzly's going to be a grizzly. What, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And so that's where man has to come in and say, <clears throat> okay, we need to knock the bear numbers down. Right. And like where I killed the, those brown bear grizzly species, um, there's, there were so many of them that I could kill two and people think uh, you can kill two grizzlies. I thought they were endangered. It's like, no, they're endangered in LA mm-hmm. at Starbucks, <laughs> right. but they're not endangered in this part of Alaska where they're devastating the moose. So people think that it's this one size fits all, but e- each ecology is different. British Columbia outlawed grizzly hunting because of people in Vancouver, BC think there are no grizzlies. Mm-hmm. People up in the brush are dealing with grizzlies all the time. So now you can't even hunt them anymore. So now the ungulate population, the deer, elk, mo- or uh, moose, caribou, they're they're being adversely impacted because there's too many bear, too right. many grizzlies. So yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a complicated process and I can't expect non-hunters to not to uh, understand that, but that's our job to explain it. Exactly. And that's and, where like the narrative in the sense of you have someone like myself that initially if you take your first glance at say my social media right you would mm-hmm. never think i'm have this desire or passion to hunt my own food yeah so to be able to break uh, the stereotype break the stereotype yeah. of like you don't have to be the traditional like you know backcountry hunter redneck you know, like me <laughs> <laughs> dumb redneck <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like and and to really do your research as well so mm-hmm. that's also another thing where i'm like what what happened to uh before people speak on things or at least i know for me i'm not really going to open my big mouth which i know that i have yeah. um before you know hope, what you're talking about yeah, yeah at least a little bit so that way i can i be educated um where when it comes to like the hunting narrative there's so much uh false narrative that it's interesting to me because once i actually had started to do my own research and wanting to kind of jump into into this world Mm -hmm. it's out it's it's out there yeah like you just have to kind of search for it and, and not listen to um, you know, whatever big time celebrity is, is being the, the loudest. View. 
the view. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. It, what drives me crazy is people who come, who come with such a voice of authority who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <sighs> totally. It's like, you're acting like you know what you're talking about, but you're completely clueless. Yeah. You have how no idea. You, how could you, you don't even know how dumb you are, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. It's like people will make this big stand and not really have anything that they're standing on. No, totally. I'm like get off that soapbox, maybe do some research, come back. 100%. And not only the, not only that, but I feel like 99% of them um, haven't even suited up um, to go even yeah. attempt to do any of the uncomfortable things uh, that is required mm-hmm. to do that. So it's like, mm, take a seat. Yeah. And speaking of The View, I'm like, how does The View have a show? I'm like, okay, if The View has a show, then me and Cameron Haynes should have a show right now. <laughs> because, Guaranteed. Uh, yeah. Craziness. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how many people actually watch it, but... I don't know. The people who do watch it, I don't know. They need Jesus in their life because <laughs> I don't, I don't know how it's just a bunch of like nagging, cackling, uh, like unhappy women. It seems like to me for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to, we'll, we'll wrap up with how did our day yesterday compare, like how did the run on the mountain compare with your first ultra? Cause you've done an ultra marathon. Yeah. Because of Cameron Haynes, because like, that's, what's so crazy. And that has to feel pretty nuts for you because I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. And I know that the inspiration, uh, is tremendous to others that have just like laced up their shoes or picked up a bow, Mm -hmm. um, attempted to go on their first hunt. You know, I just happened to be one of those. And so the fact that, okay, first of all, the fact that I went on or did an ultra is mind blowing in the sense of, even though I even tell Jonathan, I'm like, dude, how is soccer my sport? Because I don't really particularly like love running. However, I love when I, how I feel after I run. So like, that's what I chase. It's not Mm -hmm. like that. I like to run really. I really don't. It's not like I live for that. It's, I do really enjoy. I mean, you saw yesterday, I was like, amp the fuck up. Like it it just like brings something, but that's also why I am so, uh, passionate about health. Health Mm -hmm. is wealth. And so working out, it is like scientifically proven that not only, um, is it good for your just like everything for your body? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we live in also an era of because of our phones and, and uh, instant gratification and, and always distraction. Obviously, you hear the narrative of mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Well, working out is going to help a lot of that. Right. Like, I couldn't even imagine if I didn't play as many sports or uh, piggybacking on what I was saying about running is like soccer was my sport. You're running 90 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, so every day at practice, you're either doing like uh sprints or you're doing long, long, long runs mm-hmm. to build up, uh, your endurance. So the fact that that was my sport is like bananas to me because I don't particularly love running, but I like scoring goals. So, <laughs> um, it's wild because back then, mm-hmm. If I didn't play a sport, oh, for sure, I would be like certified, like, you need a ton of medication for this Counseling. kid. She is yeah. absolutely batshit crazy and nuts right. and like, good luck. 
you know? It's, it's, it's different with a team environment as opposed to going and running by yourself, though, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. It, it is. It, I like it, though, too, because you get to just be in your head. Mm -hmm. So you get to sort a lot of things out about yourself. Right. Um, and that's what I enjoy, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, depending on the day and depending on how I feel, because yeah. Lord knows I wake up different every day. <laughs> um, so that's why I really in, enjoyed that process. Mm -hmm. And then going through, uh, doing the ultra world, I was like, you know what, if this dude is out here doing ultras, hundred milers, Mm -hmm. Why can't I? Yeah. You know, um, you he's, he's this dude from Oregon working a nine to five. I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And that's what is amazing is that you don't have to think that you're a Michael Jordan right. or, or, you know, some crazy athlete, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you can do whatever it is that you want to do and, and strive towards Yeah, by putting in the work and doing the daily the daily deed and wow. it, it sucks. And there's something to be said, like you finished an ultra marathon. You are an ultra marathoner. That's well, that's, I don't know about that. That's like going a little, that's like a little too deep, but what was cool during, during my ultra, you know, it, it gives you a little bit pep in your step getting a text from you. So yeah. I was like, all right, bitch, finish this shit. <laughs> like there's no way. So, uh, you know, now, Going was into that five miles left when I, I think it so. was towards the end. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I needed that little right at the right, right at the right time, you know, yeah. uh, to, to push you through. So the fact that I, I did finish that, um, and now, you know, has made me want to go for a 50 miler, mm -hmm. which is going to happen. Cause I'm saying it right here All on right. the Cameron Haynes collective podcast, That's right. putting it out there. You heard it first. Um, but then also to being able to actually do that with you yesterday is, I mean, I said it yesterday too. You're the truth, man. You're the deal. Like you, you aren't just out here on social media. Like a lot of people that are trying to like, whatever, give advice, do this, do that, whatever it is. You're living it. You know, you're out there. I'm like, yeah, this dude fucking smoking up this, this incline is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really cool to see. Like, oh. I definitely, obviously, wouldn't expect anything less. But you never know when you no. meet somebody in person. You never know if it's like how much of it is right. real, how much of it is kind of like social yeah. media, because it's very easy to be yeah. putting out whatever. It's but not, I, I hardly, I don't even hardly run by myself. I only run when it's on my phone or like with you. It's all fake. Yeah, right. I can really <laughs> tell by that yesterday. I'm, I'm a poser. Like, I love how, though, I really just, I don't know what my brain was thinking, uh, but for whatever reason, I'm thinking like, yeah, we're going to probably run up the hill. So it was probably like two and a half miles. Mm -hmm. When the fuck has Cameron Haynes ever ran two and a half miles? Not Never. very often. So half a marathon later, yeah. here we are. You killed it. Two summits. Two monument jumps. You kicked ass yesterday. So impressed with your toughness and also your attitude the whole time. I loved it. Oh. Um, and then shooting the bow. And so that's how I always end these episodes is I grab your new bow. The bow. I mean, this is, this is, this is everything. And I welcome you to the bow hunting brotherhood with your brand new Hoyt. Keep hammering. 
bow, the one you shot so well yesterday. Shout out to the bow rack. I know. They're the shit. Shout out to the bow rack and to Hoyt and uh, to you for doing so well, following instructions so well. It was, it was, I mean, it never gets old watching a new archer pull back their bow, fire from long distance, send that arrow and have it hit. Like we have that balloon just so it's very visual. Then in that big smile and the big, I think for you it was, what was that? Fuck yeah. Or I think I said, I want to say, I think I said, let's fucking go. Let's go. go." Yeah. yeah. That was, (laughs) I mean, I'll never forget that. So, I mean, I want to thank you for bringing your energy to Oregon, bringing your spirit to Oregon and just, um, brightening up this place because it's been amazing. The bow rack was amazing. Um, getting to know you better, meeting Jonathan, the ultimate hype man. Yeah. I, I, my life is richer from the experience. Um, you're an outlier. I very much respect you. Love your grind. Um, I want to highlight outliers and you fit the bill. And I want to thank you very much for coming. It means so much to me, Natalie. Thank you. No, thank you very much. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much. I mean, learning, and the fact that I shot about the fact that a, a lefty draw too. Come oh, on, okay. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, You're strong. You pulled that back, holding good against that wall, very accurate. And yeah, that was a whole nother challenge. That the left eye, right eye dominant. Yeah. You're right handed, but left eye. Crazy. So you had to shoot a left handed bow and just killed it. Thank you very much. It's it's been an absolute honor. You're the shit. Your entire team, everybody, your family has opened us with uh open arms and truly, truly appreciate that. And so, uh, you're the man. You're always welcome here. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Awesome. Keep hammering. Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast. And that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store. Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be, to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast.